It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. We welcome you along to the programme. We have our final pair of Rod Stewart tickets uh, to give away. We've been giving them away all week and it's to his gig live at the Marquee on the 20th of June, of course, as we announced yesterday when the tickets went on sale. Such was the demand that an extra gig has now been announced for the following night, the 21st. But we've got the tickets to the first uh, gig that's on the 20th of June. We You're listening out once again for a Rod Stewart track sometime between now and one when you hear it at your queue to text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and then you'll come on air answer a simple Rod Stewart question and you'll win a pair of tickets to head to Live at the Marquee to see Rod on the 20th of June and tickets are still on sale at uh, ticketmaster.ie Now yesterday as we heard on the news the OPW announced their decision about the suitability of a site in the Carrakeel area of Mallow that had been identified by Cork County Council as a possible location for modular homes for Ukrainian refugees. Fine Gael Councillor Tony O'Shea once again joins me on this issue. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, Patricia. And we waited for the OPW for their response yesterday. We got the response and they have discovered that the site is not suitable. Did they say why the site is not suitable? That's correct, Patricia. I think the main uh, reasons uh, would be the steepness or the gradient of the site, Patricia. And along with that, I think there was difficulty, there was utilities. But I think the main reason would be, I'd say, it's down to cost. There is a fair fall in the inside of that site. And it would take a lot of building up uh, to get it somewhere level to erect the modular homes on site. And that's what the work that has been ongoing, it's probably about two weeks now, is it, that they've been in there? I'd actually think this is the third week. Third week, um, is it? Yeah. And they needed to do they needed to do that work. They always have to do that work first, is it, to see the suitability? That's correct. That's correct. It's the site suitability test has to be done first. Uh, as I stated to yourself last week, uh, after carrying out some excavation works, it's handed over to the quantity surveyors who do a costing and they look at everything on that site, um, whether it's going to be deemed suitable or unsuitable. And I think the main reasons are the gradient, I think, would be the main reason, to be honest, uh, Patricia. Do, are you aware, are there any other possible sites, either in Mallow or in the general North Cork area, that the OPW will now look at? No, we have been told at our municipal meetings that Mallow area, our Cork County Council in Mallow area, that was the only site they put forward. 
um, to the OPW. Was there not one in West Cork as well, or would you be aware of that? Um, no, the only other site I heard, and especially I'm going at the moment, is, uh, is above in Mahan. Yeah, uh, I think there's 64 uh, modular homes going into a site up there. And that's that that was already that's deemed suitable. They're building those, isn't it? That's deemed suitable. Apparently, uh, I think a third of the sites that are put forward by local authorities across the country are deemed unsuitable uh, due to constraints, whether to obviously site suitability, maybe uh, utilities and uh, the condition of the site. Um, but we were told at the meeting that third of the sites put forward by local authorities across the country are deemed unsuitable. And when Cork County Council put forward uh, this site, as councillors, were you aware that the site had been put forward? We got so worried of it, I suppose, maybe just before Christmas was mentioned at a municipal meeting um, about the possibility of uh, handing over the site for modular homes um, to the OPW. And we got confirmation of it in, uh, in January, uh, Patricia. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, the site investigation must have started. Uh, so this is where it all blew up and escalated in. Yeah, uh, this is where the communication just, yes. uh, you know, and, and when, you, when we now, you know, here we are now saying that the site isn't suitable, all that worry and upset that was caused... Um, you know, forcing people yeah. to go out and protest. There, we we now know there was no need for any of it. No, when I said it from day one, like it was rolled out wrong, Patricia. I mean, like we obviously should have started the consultation process. Uh, and I suppose number one, we as public reps should have been left know that that works for starting there, and we would have answers to the questions that the people in the affected estates had been. We didn't have answers for them at the start until we went digging ourselves. And to discover there was an East uh, investigation work. And now it turns out that um, it's not suitable. So, look, I think it's probably the best uh, result all around um, because it, it, it would have escalated, I think, if it got to go ahead. Um, and unfortunately, uh, there's so much misinformation out there as well. There is, Patricia, and that doesn't help uh, the whole process either. But look, I... Uh, I just still think that OPW carried out uh, this in a wrong way. Like, if you want people to buy into something, you must communicate with them. So do you, do you feel the OPW and indeed the Department of Integration, they very much need to learn from the way this whole issue in Mallow was handled? Yeah, absolutely. And like, uh, maybe it's not entirely the media, Patricia. They were blaming the contractors that was uh, taking it upon himself to go in and start to work without ever informing the OPW or the Department of Children and Equality. So maybe that had a lot to do with it. I think Mallow wasn't the only site that there was a bit of a, a mess-up, uh, yeah. which created the same scenario that's happened in Mallow in the last three years. Yeah, we're, we're unfortunately seeing it around the country. Uh, what now for that site, Tony? What now, uh, Patricia, is that we need to make the site like it's fenced off uh, because there are now obviously after doing the digging and, and, and stoning some of it as part of making it into a compound while they were at the site investigation work. So I suppose our next job now, Patricia, is to make the site safe and close it back up again. Can it be used oh. for anything else? Well, until, until such time, the County Council uh, will have funds to maybe use it for social housing in the near future. Um, look, I said it last week, I think maybe the government should look at 
uh, maybe producing some of these modular homes on, on sites of their own and uh, ease the, the crisis and uh, the homeless crisis that's out there at the moment. But it certainly can't be used, we now know it can't be used for modular houses. No. Well, like there's obviously a big cost in this and, and there is an issue there with utilities. Uh, plus, you have the grading issue that will always be in it. Uh, it obviously is going to cost a lot of money just to build it up and make it somewhere level uh, to build houses on it. Yeah, because Jonathan in Newcastle West uh, says now that site works have been completed on that particular site, there are a number of families looking for accommodation in the North Cork and West Limerick areas. Limerick County Council said they can't help for a number of uh, months. Could this would this area be suitable for a halting site, especially if Cork County Council once felt it was fit to put modular homes in it? Uh, Well, I suppose Cork County Council didn't. didn't uh, think it was suitable, like it was handed over to the OPW to carry out site investigation, but it's now deemed unsuitable. So how suitable it will be for um, social housing going forward, it's something that I will raise at our next uh, housing meeting, Patricia, and ask what are the plans for um, this particular site in Carrickfield. Yeah, and I suppose if it's, uh, to, to Janice in Newcastle West, if it's not suitable for modular houses, why would it suddenly be suitable as a halting site? The same okay. issues would obviously, okay. the same it's issues would, issue. would obviously um, uh, be there. So the push now to see can modular homes be built, to, because that was the one issue I think that came out very strongly from the people who were protesting. Uh, they felt, you know, there many of the people who were protesting were on the housing list for many, many years. So they felt if, you know, these modular houses can be built very quickly, we're now told they can last up to 60 years. Many families who were on the council's housing list, particularly those that live in emergency accommodation, they'd love the idea of a house, even even a modular home. So, a po- so I suppose an examination and a discussion around can they be built for social housing? Exactly. I mean, like we have other sites uh, that would suit maybe the likes of these modular homes. Now, I did get a last question. We were told they were good for 60, 60 years. I just see drawings of them and I thought they were quite a nice you know, finished drawings when the houses are placed on the site and have it laid out. And I think maybe it is an answer for the government going forward. I mean, if they're costing between 125 and 150 uh, and you have a house for 60,000, maybe it is the answer for the government. Um, or to the crisis that we're in at the moment. Yeah, while the, while the regular housing stock is, we continue then to build up the normal housing stock and in the meantime have provide housing for, for people that need it. That's correct, Patricia. Yeah. Look, look, just Mallow housing, like there is a lot of houses currently being offered on the CBL every week uh, in Mallow. Uh, you know, overall, Mallow, I think, is going good uh, when it comes to turning around houses. I know we have the issue in a few states where you have houses stored up for a while. Um, there's obviously other issues there, Patricia, but overall, Mallow is turning around houses every week on the choice based letting system. All right, that's that certainly is uh, good to hear. Jim yeah. wants to know what's the story with the site that would be almost opposite the site we're talking about in Carrickeel, what was the old Mallow GAA grounds in uh, Carrickeel. There's meant to be a big development going in there. Have you any update on that? There is, Patricia. Um, there's meant to be a running track and there's a, a rugby pitch and a soccer pitch and it's something that's going to be very good for the whole of the North Park region. Uh, a running track is the whole place without exercising today. And uh, we are in the process, we've gone through a party, but we have interested uh, Mallow-based sporting um, 
sporting uh, facilities that are in, that are showing interest in that particular site. So I'd say look by the end of the year, hopefully Patricia funding will be a big thing. Our Cork County Council will be applying for funding uh, to get this off the off the ground and get boots on the ground and get it opened up and built as soon as possible. Okay, it would be great. It really would be great. It would be great. All right. Okay. Listen, Tony. Thank you for that, and 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 thank you particularly on this particular issue for uh, keeping us informed and always being available when we needed to chat about it, and we appreciate that. But thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, Fine Gael, uh, Councillor for North Cork. That's Tony O'Shea. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Last Saturday, the Irish Times published an article along with a photograph outlining the lonely funeral of a Ukrainian gentleman who died in Skibbereen suddenly at the start of January. The ceremony was attended only by the undertakers, the gravediggers and a priest. He was originally from Mariupol in Ukraine and sadly no family members could be located so this man was buried alone. The poignant details of this funeral though have upset people in Skibbereen because many knew this gentleman and would have attended the funeral. So with details of a special event to mark this man's passing later today I'm joined by Denny Collins of the Paragon in Skibbereen where a number of Ukrainians are currently live. Good morning to you, Denny. Good morning. Good morning. And, and you're very welcome. Now, this gentleman, and I hope I'm pronouncing his uh, name right, uh, Yevon Mashenko, um, his gentle soul, rest in peace. I believe he, Yevon, stayed at the Paragon for, for three months, so you would have known him. That's right, yeah. He did indeed. He was a 65-year-old man, um, like you said, from Mariupol. He was with about three months. Terribly nice lad, kept to himself, but engaged. If, um, if we met him at any time, um, he'd poor English, but he was a terribly nice lad and well liked. And and he stayed for, with you for three months, and then he moved to. Did he get his own apartment? No, not at all. He was with us until the day he suddenly died um, on the second of January, and um, we, myself and my wife, were away at the time, and uh, we were contacted by one of the residents there who was. Um, doing a cleaning assignment on the morning and found him and um, contacted us and we in turn contacted Sabrina Gardy who acted swiftly and came down and uh, pronounced him dead and he was taken away by the coroner I believe to the uh, city morgue in, in the CUH we then engaged with IPAS and the incident room in IPAS and um, we're back and forth with each other for quite some time and we believed that the Ukrainian embassy had been contacted and that we presumed that this man was taken back to Ukraine. And it, seemingly attempts were made to try to locate family in the Ukraine, but seemingly the address that Yevon had given, that uh, building no longer even exists. Well, well, it might be no surprise because they were being bombarded in Mariupol and is in a terrible state, I'd say, and hence the fact that they fled and he ended up with us. And I suppose, look, it fell through the cracks and so on and so forth, and the coroner made a decision to bury him in Scabrine, and um, that was the case. But oh, unfortunately, we weren't notified, whether we were to be notified or not, you know, is, 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 it remains to be seen, but the poor man was laid to rest on his own um, with the undertaker and the priest. So... We, I, I didn't realise any of this until I got a phone call from Councillor Joe Carroll um, last Friday telling me I was, I was very surprised, to say the least, and uh, so was Joe Carroll. And, and 
we we decided to um, just have a little service for him today and at his graveside with the priest and it's going to be attended by a considerable amount of Ukrainian people staying around from Sherkin Island, the Elden Hotel, there's not a huge amount of them, but um, we will have a service for him anyway because he was a terribly nice lad and, you know, I suppose he's just doing the right thing. And obviously, if I, I didn't realise he'd been in the Paragon with you when he passed away. I, I was led to believe that he had died in an apartment on his own. But he would have been friendly, obviously, with the other Ukrainians that stayed there well, as well. Well, he was nature. He, he had a roommate. There was two of them staying in, 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 in the one room and um, in the main street in Skibreen, which is a fairly lively spot now. And he used to be, you know, up and down the street, walking and talking for the World Cup, watching the World Cup. Oh, bless. Um, loved Skibreen and, and told my wife that he was mad about Skibreen and mad about the people of Skibreen. So I suppose, look, the, the people of Skibreen weren't aware of this. The Ukrainian people that are staying with me weren't aware of it, and myself and my wife weren't aware of it. Um, <clears throat> but I suppose what we're going to do this morning, or today at 2 o'clock, is have a little service, a few prayers by the, by the priest that buried him. <clears throat> but it's it's 40 days since the man died. He died on the 2nd of January. And it's an important date in the Russian Orthodox after 40 days. I, I presume and I assume it's a bit like the month mine we have here for people. Yeah. And um, so it, it, it is, there is an importance of the date and we're going to have a little bit of a service and a get-together for the men afterwards. Um, prayers at 2 o'clock and we're going to have a little service at Paragon at 3 o'clock. So that's really that's nice. That's a, that's a really, really nice thing. Uh, to do, I think, for his friends and indeed, I suppose, anyone from the, the Skibbereen area, Denny, who might like to go along. Absolutely. Anybody's welcome. And there's been Cynthia's phone calls and Cynthia WhatsApps about it and what time it's on and so on and so forth because there is the people of Skibbereen would rally around the like to this, you know, uh, um, with the minimum of us and, and, and say a few prayers for the men and lay them to rest. And he was a terribly nice man, very quiet man, uh, kept to himself and, 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 came for his meals every day and watched the World Cup and walked around Skibreen and got to meet people. He was a very, very nice lad. Do you know, um, Denny, was his dream to one day go home? You know, I, I, I don't really know, but I, I'm assuming that most of the Ukrainians that are with me that one day their dream is to go home. But Mariupol, I, I believe, is is under Russian um, control at the moment and, and has been absolutely bombarded and destroyed so maybe there's nothing to go home to you know that's going to be the big problem that is going to be the big problem and I know that it was said that you know the the, the coroner trying to find family members etc has made the point that if family members in years to come are found that he, he could be exhumed and returned to a family plot in Ukraine if if the family so wanted that yeah, but look at that at least that's the option and that's what's there and, and um sure I suppose it it like I, I'm sure that there was huge efforts made and, and, and they tried to contact people in Mariupol because we have people staying um, with us from Mariupol and, and who who kind of knew of him. But it's difficult to pinpoint exactly. They're not one hundred percent sure where exactly what he was from and who he was from and you see then you have the translation barrier and so on and so forth and his you know, getting down to it. But he had a mobile phone and he used to be on the mobile phone fairly often. So there was someone on the other side of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you, you also have to remember these are people who have left their homeland and none of us know how traumatised some of these people are and, you know, what they have seen and witnessed and 
you know, what they know has happened to their family members. It's very difficult for these people. It is extremely difficult. And when they landed with me, it was, it was, it was an eye-opener, I can assure you, because, you, you know, you, we take things for granted. And, 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 you know, until such time as you see these people landing with their baggages and their clothes on their back, and, you know, they're just damn glad of a place to stay and a hot meal and, and, and some place to settle down and see how it goes, I suppose, you know. And are they settling in well, Danny? They are, they are. Lovely, lovely, lovely crowd. Very nice, very quiet. You know, lots of women and kind of middle-aged women and their mothers and kids and so on and so forth. And a few older lads like Juven. And um, they're no trouble, not a bother, not a sign of trouble. And, you know, they're terribly nice people and so on and so forth. And mad to settle down and look for a bit of work and so on and so forth. But, you know, this was just an unfortunate incident that it, 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 it happened and they couldn't find anyone on the other side. Yeah, and and I know when I saw the piece on the Irish Times at, at the weekend, I mean the description of the funeral was just deeply moving, and 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 I know even if there was no Ukrainians in the area, if word had gone out that somebody was being buried without any mourners, people Irish people were, were great for funerals. Let's be honest, people would have rallied around straight away to have attended. Ah, look, there's no doubt about that, even if there was any Ukrainian people, which there are quite a few around this, but of course there's about 70 in, in Skabreen. They're also on Shirkin Island. They're coming in today from Shirkin Island. But outside that, if the people of Skabreen knew that this was the, the, the story, I can assure you that there'd be quite a few in attendance. And, and, and you know, Joe Carroll and, and so on and so forth. And they'd rally around uh, this funeral and, and, and give the men a bit of a send-off. Which we're well able to do. Yeah, yeah, and with the history of Skibbereen and the area, with the famine, there's been so many desperately sad uh, funerals in 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 our history in that particular area. Listen, it's 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 lovely what you're doing. It's two o'clock today at the cemetery. If people want to go along, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Jenny, well done. And listen, pass on our condolences to the Ukrainian uh, people, particularly those that uh, knew um, uh, Yevon. And he'll be forever remembered in Skibbereen. And I think that's important as well. Listen, thanks a million for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Denny Collins of the Paragon, where a number of Ukrainian refugees are currently listening. And uh, if you are the type to say a prayer or light a candle, uh, can we all remember Yevon Mishenko? Uh, who passed away and died 40 days ago today. May he rest in peace. 0818 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Yesterday, we had a number of worried and indeed upset listeners with the news that the Irish Community Air Ambulance, based in Rathcool, is to now operate under the HSE and the National Ambulance Service and will be finally state funded. It'll no longer be run as a charity and the Community Air Ambulance Group will rename as Critical and instead focus on rapid response vehicles. To chat about the story and I suppose to allay people's fears, I'm joined by Fianna Fáil Cork North West Adult Deputy Michael Moynihan. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Now, firstly, the good news of this story is that the Air Ambulance now will be fully state-funded. Absolutely. This is a project that I've been working with and we've discussed it a few times on your programme over the last two years. You know, the air ambulance came to Rat Cool in 2019 
and immediately the need for it was established. You know, this was supplementing the HSE. We had a difficulty in trying to get the HSE to agree the service level agreement throughout late 2018 and early 19, and I raised it continuously in the Dáil. But uh, in 2020, uh, you know, the funding stream for the air ambulance and to make sure the air ambulance stayed in that cool, and we looked at various different methods of funding in it. And I suppose they have now agreed to fully fund it. it is, uh, the contract has been given. There is two uh, new air ambulances being put in, and there's eight pilots have been recruited, and those eight pilots are being based in Ratcool. Now, the air ambulance, and we should be eternally grateful for them for what they have done, because first of all, what they've done over the last uh, three and a half years since they landed in Ratcool, but second of all, when they have shown the need for the air ambulance, you know, and uh, Mihal Sheridan said yesterday that Ratcool is probably the best base for it because it has shown, you know, in what is a predominantly rural area, but it has shown that it is in the south of Ireland it is as central as any other spot. And when the new arrangements were put in place, it was essential that it would be based in Ratcool. Yeah, it was one and of the reasons that Ratcool was picked was because of where it was. Exactly, it was central. And because of what the air ambulance has done prior to this, they have shown how central it is and how they can get from A to B. You know, if, if anyone is lucky enough to be in the air ambulance office in, in Ratcool, there's a map there and this is clearly shown the speed that they can get from one location to the other, predominantly in the south of Munster, but reaching up into Clare and other parts as well. So it has been proven that, uh, it, first of all, there's been established that there's a huge need for the air ambulance. They had one air ambulance and we were operating on the daytime. You know, the new uh, arrangements are that there's two ambulances there and there's eight pilots have been recruited and that they will be staffing in Redcool in the next number of weeks. And it will be based in Redcool heretofore. It is essential. Yeah, because I think some, some people yesterday, Michael, were concerned that it would move and that they, would, they wouldn't base it in Redcool. But you're saying that you've got assurances it will. No, it is crucially important to understand that it is based in Red Cool because that is it has been established. It, not looking for assurances or anything else because it is shown has been the best location to place the air ambulances to place them for the the, the terrain and for the side of the country that they are covering. Red Cool has been proven as an ideal location for it, and it is you know it was one of the critical issues to make sure that the ambulances were based in Red Cool and will continue to be based in Red Cool. And I suppose other people were saying, well, will this be cut as a service down the line? I suppose we have, like I said at the outset of it, you know, the Air Ambulance and the Hall Sheridan and his people have proven what, how efficient and how supportive the Air Ambulance has been to the National Ambulance Services and to the HSE within the southern, within Munster and the south of Ireland. And that, you know, there is no, no more than taking away ambulances. It is now seen that this is a crucial piece of infrastructure for healthcare delivery uh, right throughout the Munster region. Yeah, because and some some listeners yesterday worried that if the HSE ran into any kind of financial trouble in the future and they needed to make cutbacks, some were worried, would this be a service that could, could be potentially affected by cutbacks in the future? No, because it, it, like what I... What was established was the need for it. What established was that there, we cannot provide the ambulance service without the backup of air ambulances. 
you know, going back to 2018 when we were trying to get the service level agreements agreed between the now Air Ambulance and the HSE, there was a reluctance between the National Ambulance Service saying that there wasn't a need for it. When the service level agreement was agreed at that time, since then it has been clearly demonstrated that there's a massive need for it. And your listeners will know many instances where the Air Ambulance has helped out or the Air Ambulance has been to uh, traffic uh, uh, accidents uh, uh, other traumatic experiences or indeed cardiac arrest and so forth and has saved lives in it. And that has been proved without uh, without you know without question. So we're now looking at providing the air ambulance space in Raccoon and having that as, as a integrated part of the health service and delivering health care throughout the region. And uh, I am very satisfied that you know this is as crucial a piece of infrastructure for healthcare as any other part of the okay. healthcare. Okay, okay. And I think yesterday the volume of the calls and texts that we got were were simply, I think, from people who felt sorry for the Irish community uh, air ambulance. With many people saying because they'd fought for so long to get state funding, and uh, and people were saying, could they not just have given the state funding to the Irish community uh, air ambulance? There was a tender process that was, you know, to try and ensure that the permanency of the uh, of the ambulance, the air ambulances based in Raccoon, uh, and making sure that they were in place, that it, there was a tendering service in it. And I, I can't comment on that, or I don't, you know, that's not a uh, thing that we, we but that, that was where it was. Yes, the air ambulance, we owe a huge debt of gratitude to the air ambulance for what they have done over the last number of years in terms of you know, the voluntary way that they set up and the way the community supported them. There was always a question coming to me, why do we have to fundraise for what is an integral part of the health service and the ambulance service? And I set about to try and make sure that the state properly funded ambulances based, uh, air ambulances based in uh, Radcool in a per- on a permanent basis. And that's what we have done. Now, they have moved to rapid response and they have been critical. They need the same support at the same level because I think that they will clearly demonstrate from how they ran the ambulance and how they ran that operation in such a professional way, they will demonstrate that there is a need for the rapid response as well and supporting the the National Ambulance Service. I understand that they are in negotiations and they have agreed uh, protocols. That's not for me to comment. Mm. But I would like to take this opportunity to, you know, that it's important that they stay within the Duhalla region, that they stay within our local community. We have benefited enormously from them and that they critical, as they are now called, it's important that they stay within the Duhalla region and that they are continue to be supported because they will demonstrate a need as well, very same as they did on the community air ambulance. And I suppose a lot of people would say, yes, they went out on a limb back in 2018 and 19 to set this up. But there was always the question of why won't state move in and fund it properly? And yes, it was a shortcoming of the state not to provide it. But in some instances, that would be always centralised to the major urban centres. They went to Raccoon, the airbase in Raccoon. They showed that it can be worked out of the airbase in Raccoon. Official jump doesn't normally think that anything can be worked out of rural communities, but they prove the point that it can be worked out of Raccoon, and to their credit, and we are indebted to them, because they they were, the, you know, I suppose the trailblazers for the want of a better word, but 
they showed it can be done in Red Cool and now we have the state a state funded yes. one yeah and, yes. and, and as well you know uh, people particularly people locally uh, whenever we, I mean we did various interviews o- o- over the years uh, when they needed funding I mean they, they were there was times where they were on a shoestring of a budget trying to keep the ambulance uh, in the air and whenever we put a shout out to say you know the Irish Community Air Ambulance are in need of funding inevitably people uh, stepped up and people were fantastic to do uh, fundraisers they were absolutely, and like uh, how many things, you know, we ran table quizzes ourselves, uh, other groups did a whole raft of things. And, you know, at every time, at, at various times with negotiations with the Air Ambulance, it was a very, you know, there were very difficult financial straits to keep the, the aircraft on the air, but they kept doing it with the support of the people, with the support of your listeners and with your program supporting them and everybody else they were able to keep it together and like we cannot say thank you enough to them for yeah. what they have done okay uh, okay but also to prove the point that to prove the point that it could be worked out of right cool because sometimes official government say it has to be worked out of cock or dublin or limerick yeah, or Galway, yeah. but it can be done in rural communities they did that and i'm delighted that we have a permanent air ambulance based in the in right cool at the moment and that we will make sure that, you know, that eight pilots have to be recruited in it. It's a good day's work and it's also important that the, the community continues to support critical okay. because they too will show that there is a need for the right and they And they will be saving lives. Mary uh, says uh, it's about time that somebody stepped up and funded this most important service, our air ambulance for the community. Everyone has been trying for this for quite a number of years. Thank God somebody has finally woken up and seen the importance of the need and somebody said great to hear that the air ambulance will be continue to be based out of Rathcool. Well done to Deputy Michael Moynihan. He's a very compassionate man. So on that note, we leave it, Michael. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Good morning. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've got the final pair of tickets to get somebody there on the 20th of June. Emma Lines is in Ryland. Good morning to you, Emma. Good morning. Do you like that particular Rod Stewart track? I love it, but I'll tell you the truth. My husband will die for these tickets. He's a serious fan. Is he? Has he, <laughs> has he seen him before? Yes, we saw him in Parky Creed the last time he came. Actually, it was the last concert we were at. What? <laughs> yeah, because that was just before the pandemic, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I know I wasn't at it, but I have a sister who's a fanatical Rod Stewart fan and uh, another sister, two of them, went along with some friends and said he was amazing. Yeah, him and my cousin Joan, they absolutely loved it. And the one thing about him, I mean, he's a guy well in his 70s. His voice is as good. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, because often over the years you'll see some of the singers and their voices, for obvious reasons, are not as strong. Rod Stewart, whatever he's doing to look after, his voice is certainly working. Okay, a question for you, Emma Lyons in Rylan, on behalf of your husband. What's your husband's name? Michael. Oh, God, I hope I'm okay with the question. Okay, we're playing for you, Michael. Who is Rod Stewart married to? Is it A, Sharon Osbourne, or B, Penny Lancaster? Oh, Penny Lancaster. It is Penny Lancaster. The one. Uh, well done. <laughs> he's going to be thrilled. Thank uh, you uh, so much. Is he at work? He's at work. Yeah, he's down really skinny. Oh, goodness. And he's, he probably doesn't have the radio on, so he doesn't even know. No, they're not loud. Oh, <laughs> can, you, can you send him a text? I'll send him a text. He won't believe me. He is going to be thrilled. He came home from work all excited. Him, I said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You're going along with Michael on the 20th of June and it sounds like you're going to have a very fun night out. 
Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, don't you love when you get an excited winner? Well done. That is Emma Lyons in Rylan on behalf of her hobby, even though I think Emma is a, a bit of a Rod Stewart fan herself, because I think if you live with uh, somebody who is a dedicated fan of whoever it is, in this case, uh, Rod Stewart, you can't help but fall in love with the music because you're hearing it all the time. So listen, once again, our thanks to Aiken Promotion for kind of giving us those uh, tickets and a reminder that tickets are on sale since nine o'clock yesterday morning. Ticketmaster.ie. When I checked yesterday, the tickets for that first date on the 20th were almost uh, gone. And that's why they were selling out so quickly. They decided to put on the second date, which is the 21st of June. If you are a Rod Stewart fan, are like Emma, have a Rod Stewart fan in the household, go along and get those tickets before they all sell out. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Can I just say, because we've been talking about the about Ukraine, I suppose, this morning, particularly with regard to that poor man who was buried uh, all on his own and that service now that's going to happen in the cemetery in Skibbereen today at uh, two o'clock. But of course, whenever you mention uh, refugees, and of course we were also talking about the site in Mallow in, in Carrickheel that's now not going ahead for modular homes inevitably there will be some texts in uh, with commentary and commentary that I'm certainly not going to uh, call out commentary that's very negative about the Ukrainian refugees and, and about immigrants in, in general and can I just say to people be very very careful where you're getting your information from because particularly on social media there is so much misinformation and outright lies that's been spoken about refugees and my fear is that as the you know the far right is definitely gaining a foothold in this country and they are whipping up this hatred against all refugees including people who are fleeing war you think of that poor man uh, who died 40 40 days today and he was buried last week all on his own a 65 year old man by all accounts he was an academic I mean listening to Denny talking about him a quiet man uh, who kept to himself was a lover of soccer and a lover of the World uh, Cup and passionate about that and he had to flee his home marry up all his address doesn't even exist his town flattened an area now under the control of the Russians can you imagine for a 65 year old man packing his little bag and deciding I need to get out of this country in order to stay alive and then he comes and he sets up home in Skibbereen and then sadly uh, he died of natural causes but he he died uh, suddenly it looks like he died in his sleep bless his heart Uh, but when you think of somebody like that and then you see some of this commentary that's online and you think God a man like that could have been targeted by some of these bigots who are just spreading absolute hatred and I even saw I was watching some uh, protests that uh, people were protesting and you know as I say the misinformation from the speakers who were addressing the protesters you know and I saw somebody carrying a swastika sign and I thought you know we commemorate the ending of the Second World War and we talk about and that phrase is used least we forget have we forgotten what happened in the Second World War have we forgotten the rise of of Nazi of the of how the rats the Nazis rose to power what Hitler did they started very small but they started spreading misinformation and lies about the Jewish community about the Roma uh, community disabled people were were targeted and you know before we knew it the German the German people had turned completely against the Jewish community who had done nothing else but were were good solid workers who gave employment uh, to people but they were just for 
Hitler in his own twisted brain a reason for a hatred against them. But but crowds got whipped up because of misinformation. So just please be careful who you're following on social media and when you see people posting up videos on, on YouTube. Uh, just question where some of the information is coming from and I saw today and this kind of worried me because it's it's TikTok and TikTok predominantly is aimed at younger people and you'd be fearful that younger people will believe everything that they see on their phone are on their device, particularly on TikTok. And it's a growing number of new accounts on uh, TikTok and they're spreading anti, um, anti-migrant anti misinformation among Irish users. And some of the videos have been viewed over a million times. For example, in one case, and I actually saw this video, I don't think I saw it on TikTok, I saw it on another social media uh, channel. Uh, a man was identified um, with an untrue allegation. They claimed that this man had sexually assaulted people in a Dublin children's uh, hospital and they clearly put up his image online that he was clearly identified. Then, of course, he was spotted by a group and he was brutally uh, attacked. And then the attack was filmed and it was shared on, on uh, TikTok. So an analysis has been done by the Institute of Strategic Dialogue and it shows social media has been used to spread this anti-migrant messaging in tandem then with a wave of protests that have been going since the end of last year. Now, while TikTok, they, they allow users to post short videos, they have not been widely used by those who organise the protests, but that's changed in recent years. So this think tank analysed a sample of just 20 of the viral TikTok videos from Ireland in which migrants are confronted in public spaces. They're harassed. They are uh, their identification is published. The information is given online and then some uh, cases were even attacked and the attacks were filmed. filmed. Now, some of the accounts originated uh, have been deleted, thankfully, by uh, TikTok. But of the 20, Nine of the videos made unverified claims of attacks and serial assaults against women, men and children. And of course, allegedly perpetrated by the migrants. No, no, um, no, uh, there's no evidence that any of that happened. But of course, they say it happened and everybody believes it did. Of the nine, five videos claimed the migrants had tried to harass or sexually assault children. Not true. In 10 videos, migrants are directly confronted by people filming. Faces clearly recognisable. I saw one where a guy started shouting at somebody. I think he, he was a Ukrainian from his car and then drove up on the footpath and tried to knock the young man down. He ended up having to jump in over a gate into somebody's uh, garden. In another of the videos, three suspected Ukrainian refugees were specifically uh, targeted. And although though the videos were initially posted by accounts, some of them had very small followers, like say only 15, some uh, up to 10,000, but they amassed huge views, in some cases up to 1.2 million views. Now, a guard that she they don't normally comment on material that's posted on social media, but a spokesperson says that a guard is aware of a significant volume of misinformation and disinformation that's currently in circulation on social media and messaging uh, apps and the spread of these videos identifying migrants and refugees and intimidating them in Ireland has already resulted in real life harm and the proliferation then obviously of fear and then the stigmatisation of uh, migrants. So people just need to be really, really careful of where they're getting their information from. Now TikTok, um, they have 
something like 40,000 safety professionals who remove any content that contains hate speech or is of hateful behaviour uh, as soon as it is pointed out to them and they're encouraging people particularly within the TikTok community to report anything uh, to them if you come across uh, something uh, just simply report and if it is filled with any kind of hate message or any kind of hateful behaviour uh, TikTok are, say that they are taking it down as quickly as, as uh, possible. 0818 103 John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. An experienced HGV driver is wanted for a full time position. It's in the Mallow area. Call 086 832530. Qualified accountant is required for a maternity cover. It's up to December of this year. Now, job comes with an immediate start and it's needed for a busy Mallow office. CVs, please, to obc.mallow at obriancahill.ie. Part-time accounts administrator is required for a busy office in Mitchellstown. Now, accounts experience is essential. CVs, please, to the editor at avenduepress.ie. And the Wild Thyme Restaurant in Butterfant, they're looking for a part-time chef for 12 to 18 hours per week. CVs and a cover letter, please, to emma.quaid2005 at gmail.com. You'll find all of the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. The cost of living crisis is prompting large numbers of parents to skip meals or reduce their portion sizes so that their children can have enough to eat. Research has been carried out by Bernardo's and Aldi and it shows 29% of parents surveyed said they didn't have enough food to feed their children. Joining me to discuss the findings of the survey is Esther Poo, who's a project leader with Bernardo's. Good morning to you, Esther. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Are you very worried about these figures, Esther? Um, I am, um, but unfortunately, I'm not surprised to see the figures um, because our experience working with people and service users on the ground is that we are seeing parents who are very, very worried. They're worried that they don't have enough resources to provide sufficient nutritious um, food for their children. They're worried about meeting bills. They're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, we're seeing very anxious parents and an increasing number year on year. And have you ever heard so many parents saying they're skipping meals? I mean, the very thought of it. Um, actually, I haven't. And I have worked for a long time, both for Bernardo's and in the social care sector. Um, I, I'm seeing levels of poverty going back and reminiscent of the 80s in Ireland, where really and truly families just don't have enough to eat. The income and expenditure is is just not matching up. Part of the work that we would do um, in supporting families and building resilience um, and building coping skills would be doing maybe some kind of budgeting work with them in addition to therapeutic work. And when you write it down on paper, it just doesn't add up. Income and expenditure for um, families on fixed income or on social welfare payments are not adding up. Um, all it takes is one event in a week 
that can throw a budget out. And it's not a significant event like a breaking of a washing machine. It could be I have to bring my child to a hospital appointment. If you're living rurally, you may not have the money to put fuel in your car for a long journey. You may not have the money for a train. You may not have the money for a bus. Um, and, and parents are under severe pressure. They're coming in here and they're telling us that. Um, I had a mother who's a lone parent um, in last week and she has two children and she has always been able to cope and always been able to manage her household and her household budget really well. Um, but she's she's really struggling. So by way of an example, she is a lone parent. She does have a maintenance agreement through the courts. Maintenance is sporadic at best, but her maintenance is deducted from her payments, her rent allowance and so forth. So if maintenance isn't paid, that is a direct deficit to her budget. Um, she had explained to me how she was in arrears in her utility bill and had agreed to enter into an agreement with her supplier to pay as she used, um, not really understanding that she would be back paying the bill. So if she's putting 20 euros on her electricity, for example, she wasn't getting the value of that electricity um, because she was back clearing. And she could actually see how fast, low, like, Household appliances were eating up her electricity. Um, she didn't have enough money to top up. She borrowed from her mum, put an extra 20 euros on and still ran out. Freezer defrosted. She lost her food. Oh. She had no electricity to cook anyway. Um, and this this is a, 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 a young mother who has done amazingly well and come out of very difficult circumstances to stand on her own two feet. And she didn't, wherever she had bought the food, the food had become destroyed because the freezer had defrosted and she didn't have the electricity to cook. So families that we are working with, and I would, I would suspect many other families, families who are on fixed incomes, who have no savings, who have nothing to fall back on, they are literally on a precipice week to week and worried about what will happen next week. You know, I had a parent say to me this morning in the hall, did you hear the news? They think this, the beast from the east is going to come back. What am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to afford electricity. I won't be able to heat the house if that happens, if next week there's snow. I won't be so able to people are house. worried about what may not happen, but just the fact that it's been yes. mentioned. Oh my God! I mean, and, and yeah, I know, you know, I know. We, um, I think it was an email I got in from from a mother before Christmas on this whole food. It's just the very notion of food poverty, and saying you know exactly that skipping meals, and then she lies to the children because she doesn't want the children to know that yes. she's. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm assuming that's common, is it? Uh, yeah, that is common. I mean, certainly from our experience here, we know the parents are not, they're, they're feeding their children first. We know that parents are trying to have nutritionally balanced um, meals, but that meat is a luxury. So maybe families would be getting meat twice a week, mincemeat, turning it into spaghetti bolognese. But an awful lot of food is carbohydrate based because it's cheaper. Um, so whereas children may be full, they are not getting the nutrition that they need and the parents are eating the leftovers, you know, and, and, and that is the truth. The, the Sunday lunch is a thing of the past. You know, sitting down to a roast dinner is just not happening on a Sunday anymore. Um, meat is a luxury. Um, meat to veg, which we all grew up with, those meals for a lot of the families that we work with just don't exist. You know, um, so it's the, and, it's and parents the cheap are doing bread. the best that they can. So it's the cheap bread, the beans on toast... 
the pasta. Yeah, cheap bread, the, the pasta, the rices. It's they're bulk fit, what we would call bulk eating. So they're they're eating cereals and they're eating pasta, rice, um, not even as much potatoes because they're actually more expensive than the pasta and the rice. They've gone um, up so, in price, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everything you know. has, has gone up. You, you mentioned that 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 young um, lone parent, one parent families. Uh, Esther, I take it much more affected by food poverty. Are they? Uh, yeah, that 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 would be our experience because. Um, through lack of resources, they don't always have the ability to go out and get, say, extra income through working part time jobs, which they are allowed to do because of lack of childcare. So it's so interwoven, Patricia. It's like all you need is one thing to happen that just knocks your budget and it can put your budget out for months. Because if you borrow from somebody to top up your electricity or to buy food, you owe it back the next week. So the next week you are starting off with a reduced income anyway, when your budget, when, when the ends aren't meeting. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, yeah, we are seeing that and we're seeing what's really sad is often we will do parenting work with parents while their children are at school because we can go into the family home, we can sit down and we can talk to them. Houses are cold, so families are actually turning off their heat while their children are at school and sitting in cold houses and then turn on their heat when their children come and home. everything is done um, to shield the children. Everything is done to shield the children in terms then of meals that we would be seeing. You know, parents are explaining to us how they're sharing recipes and trying to make things go as far as possible. We will often give them hints and uh, ideas of how to, you know, supplement um, nutrition in their food. And they will share that among each other. We have a women's program here um, and the women support each other and help each other other out. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it is is there's huge pressure on parents and we've just come out of a pandemic we have the war in um, Ukraine and resilience is just lowered um, there's been a huge amount of disease and infection over the winter with respiratory problems and we're, we're just seeing parents the resilience is not there anymore and when somebody is this low in terms of their emotional well-being and I'm not saying it's mental health it's emotional well-being and then they're not getting sufficient nutrition 
you know, it is going to have a longitudinal impact on their health and on children's health perfect, because they're not getting storm. the it's, essential vitamins and minerals. Yeah, it's a perfect storm. I'm and I'm, I'm yeah. assuming a lot of people are reaching out to you know local food banks. I saw the Cappuccino Day Centre on the news. We've got yeah, we've got yeah. Penny dinners. We've got we've got food banks. People who mm. would never have considered that they would ever they, see the need to go to a food bank are suddenly yeah. turning up at food banks. Yeah, and we are definitely seeing that. Some families that we are working with who wouldn't ask, but we would notice that they are really struggling. And you, and you would notice it when you go out to do a home visit and the house is very cold. And, you know, families are so amenable and welcoming of us going into their home, but sometimes they may not offer us a cup of tea. And it's because we know maybe they don't have milk. So often we just bring a few little bits with us, um, you know, and say, oh, look, you're always giving us something to eat when we come. Here's something for the house. Um, and trying to encourage the parents to understand that we can support that. Um, Bernardo's are linked into the Department of Social Welfare feed program. So we do have access to the feed program and we can provide um, supports to families who are service users. And we've seen our ask for that go up. I think for families who've never had to ask for help, it's so hard for them mm. to come forward, you know, and you know, when you offer the help, sometimes they're reluctant to take it. Um, then sometimes they do. And, and they're very grateful. And they go, that that has really helped. And, and we make it really clear to parents, like to flag up and ask. But not every town or, or city in the country has a Bernardo service. You know, families need to be aware of where they can link into supports. You know, always a good place to start is if you have children in schools, use their homeschool community liaison officer. They may have access to supports, link your children into groups, into youth service and things like that. Um, yeah, it, it, it is very large. Yeah, and, and it's, it's to reach out and, you know, because pride can, can make it really, really difficult uh, for people. And I was reading, I think it was yesterday, the day before, Kandar, who they, of course monitor the grocery shopping. They, you know, were mm. saying grocery price inflation uh, hit 16.3% in the 12 weeks mm. to the middle of January. So it, it's like that lone parent. It's the people on the fis- fixed income. It's, you know, it's something going up by, you know, 16%. If you're not, if you're not mm. getting extra money, you're trying to yeah. buy what you bought last week and you can't buy it the same amount this week because everything's gone up. Yeah, well, I did a budget sheet with a parent who was really struggling. It's a lone parent with three children and her disposable income for food for herself and her three children, two of whom are teenagers, was 60 euros a week. So can you imagine doing a grocery shop? And that includes disposables like shampoo, deodorants, toilet paper. Can you imagine having only 60 euros to go into your local supermarket to kit out and feed your family a four for a full week. My God, 60 euro. 60 euros. Oh, so it's just and so and what 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 Esther, what can the government do? Um, well, I think the government really need to be more targeted in their supports. Um, I think they really need to target supports at low income families um, and families on fixed income continue the rollout of the school meals program within schools and maybe broaden it like um, it's not only disadvantaged areas that are suffering at the moment this is across this is across the board now it is definitely impacting on fixed income families but I think all families in Ireland at the moment are really noticing um, you know the cost of everything going up um, I think for us in the work that we do, if a service user calls in on a Tuesday and they're not getting their payment until Thursday and they've no food and they've no electricity, you know, they need it there and then. 
so the, the whole process around getting emergency payments from the community welfare program and our colleagues in the community welfare service are absolutely excellent but the red tape needs to be cut out so that people who need food today can go down to the community welfare officer as they call them here relieving officers and actually get a small payment they're not looking for 200 euros they're looking for a 25 euro voucher for you know a, a local grocery store where they can go in and buy two meals they don't need they only need what they need till their next payment um, I, I just think the government needs to be much more focused and targeted on fixed income and low income families okay. um, well, listen you, you do know. amazing work in Bernardo's uh, keep it up um, Esther and uh, no doubt we'll speak again but in the meantime thank you for that and uh, thank you for yeah, you've given Not us a really all. good insight and I appreciate it thanks for joining us thanks uh, Patricia bye 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 that is uh, Esther Poo who is uh, one of the project leaders uh, with uh, Bernardo's and you know at the cold face I love to speak it's tough to, uh, to interview and speak with people like Esther because the work that they do I mean I've got so much admiration for people who day in day out have to you know face people who are really really struggling and do everything that they can to try and help them and they do they do the most amazing work it's like the great people of Vincent de Paul and our, our Katrina and her gang at uh, Penny Dinners and the m- wonderful food banks that we have uh, across the city and uh, county I'd love to see a day when we will never need any of those services but unfortunately certainly for the foreseeable future we're going to need them 0818103103 John Paul's taking your calls texts and whatsapps are available at 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And while we've been talking about how families are struggling here in uh, Ireland, uh, all of us, I think every single person is so thankful that we're living here when we look at what is happening in Turkey and uh, Syria. Um, areas that have been left devastated by a 7.8 magnitude earthquake last Sunday. Many people are asking, of course, how they can help. So to discuss what's been organised here in Cork, I'm joined by a Turkish native and that's Evren Ertigro, who is owner of Nasta Cafe on Mildred Street. Uh, good morning to you, um, um, Evren. You're very welcome to the programme. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks you. Thank uh, you for having me on. I, I suppose, firstly, your own family back in Turkey, are they all OK? Yeah, they are OK. We are... Uh about give or take a thousand kilometers away from the affected zone. Uh, my sister lives close by, uh, but they are not affected either. And but, and, and but you know of maybe fam, maybe relatives or friends who've been yeah, badly yeah, affected. Yeah, I have a I have a two close friend. One of them actually lives in Cork. He's now over there in Hatay. Um, he lost uh, several family members, friends, and he's over there at the moment. And I have another close friend of mine. He's from there. I was talking to him the other day. He lost childhood friends, uh, relatives, and uh, so both both sides. They lost a lot of a lot of people on their side. And is it very hard to be here, Evren, trying to sort of live your you know your normal life? And I, I take it constantly in your mind is what is happening back home. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, earthquake is a, a traumatic experience. Um, I, I don't wish anyone to experience that. It's just uh, so. It could leave you with permanent uh, damages uh, on you. I remember a couple of occasions in, in when I was in childhood. Uh, my mom and dad they have to drag us out middle of the night, uh, wait over there a few hours and go back in. But that was a part of our life over there, so we grew up with it. But it's it's a traumatic experience. You wouldn't ex- you wouldn't wish anyone to experience that. 
And this like this particular earthquake, it it's it's is it one of the most powerful that your country has ever seen? That's correct. This is one of the most powerful we have ever experienced, and um, probably one of the most deadliest one. Uh, the numbers are just going up every day. I don't know where they're going to stop. Um, it's just yeah, it definitely is one of the worst earthquake we experienced. Probably the worst. Yeah, and we're getting to the stage now with uh, so many days having passed that the chances of finding anybody alive, even though I, I know the rescuers are trying and trying, but with each passing hour, it's it's there's less and less chance, isn't there? Yeah, unfortunately, the first 72 hours are very crucial um, to survival rate. Um, and plus, at the moment, it's the freezing cold temperatures over there. It's not helping. And also the other thing is that it's not only in one city, it's across 11, 12 cities. And it's, it's like you're in a situation, you don't know help where first, where to go first. It's just it's just that kind of situation, you know. Um, it, it's really chaotic. Yeah, I know the last figure was 21,000 uh, people have been confirmed dead, but you're, you're right, they are expecting that number uh, to rise. And of course, most of us, when we think of uh, Turkey, Efren, you know, we think of summer holidays and we think, oh, they've got gorgeous warm weather, but you get bitterly cold winters. Correct, yeah, correct. Yeah. Turkey, Turkey is a massive country. We have uh, over 80 million population and one into the other is over 1,000 miles stretch. And yeah, I'm, I'm from down the south. Uh, in summer times, it could be up to 40 plus degree, and winter time in the eastern Turkey, you might go to minus 30, and you could have three, four meters of snow, and they could in some of the villages you won't have access for a couple of months. Um, so it, it, it's a big country, yeah, with very big difference in temperature-wise as well. And even those who were lucky, if you can use the inverted commas, lucky enough that their buildings didn't collapse, uh, we're hearing they're they're not allowed back into the buildings. Correct. Yeah. Uh, what happened was when the first big, big one hit, a lot of people they run out and then they go back in. And then the aftershock came in, and a lot of buildings collapsed. And after second and third aftershock, so um, and also the building quality that I'm, I'm actually ashamed to say that really poorly built. Um, so if you, and a lot of them they're they're not safe to leave anymore. So probably. A lot of them, they need to be knocked down and rebuilt from scratch. That's the reality, uh, to be honest. Yeah, some of the buildings, I actually watching it, the way they collapsed, mm-hmm. you really would have to question what, oh, yeah. how they were built. Um, it, like I said, I'm ashamed to say that, but you have to call out uh, people in here and if we find who's responsible for all these things and they have to be punished. Um, if you cut corners when you're building a houses and apartments, uh, just trying to make your own gains. Um, but you, if you don't care about human life, that's it's when the natural disaster strikes, that's what happens. It's, it's un, un, unavoidable, you know? Yeah. Um, so the people that are responsible, they have to be brought into justice and they're punished accordingly. I don't know if there's any punishment to justify what happened over there. That's another question. But, uh, yeah, people are the... They, they do these kind of horrible things for their personal gain, uh, for their personal agenda, and they don't care about human life. That's the, that's the result of it, you know? Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately. horrible truth. You started, uh, I, I mean, I'm soon, assuming as soon as the news broke, um, Evren, you tried to do your best to collect items that, that were needed. You've, got a, you've had an amazing response. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, to be honest, it just, it just, just started this thing um, just, you know, something small. I was just thinking, what can I do and how can I help? Um, 
just put up a post on my social media accounts and say, look, if you want to donate, you can donate money here, Turkish Red Crescent, and the, the, another foundation called Ahbab Foundation. It's run by a rock singer. He's doing this completely voluntarily, and it, they're doing an unbelievable job. And I personally donate the money over there. And then and the next day, people are getting in touch. Look, we'll be, we're just trying to put up a few boxes. Uh, so what can we do? And then I was doing the brainstorming. I just pick up the phone, ring 96FM, and then it's blow up from there on. Uh, and at the moment, uh, we are just overwhelmed with the uh, support and help from Irish people. And once again, I just want to thank from the bottom of my heart uh, the help of people over there. So for Irish people, kindness and generosity, they've been so kind. It's just like phones are ringing constantly. What can we do? How can we help? And last night, we just load two full van load of stuff. It's just on the way to Turkish Embassy now in Dublin. It'll be delivered within an hour time. And, and then from there on, they'll be transported to Turkey. Um, there's another van is full. Uh, there's probably another couple more vans. And there's a lot of people are waiting on standby. But as in today, we have to stop receiving uh, donations because we have so much stuff we have to go through. And there's a lot of uh, use stuff is coming as well because of the disease transmission. We've been told that we can only accept the unused new, new items. Yeah, new, new items. New items but, but yeah. people are there just they're just bringing in things, and I don't want to say no to them. I know because they're I bringing know. kind. You know, they're they're being out of kindness. So we try to donate them in here in the uh, local charities, whatever we can not send over there. But it's it's overwhelming at the moment. We have a, such a small space, we can't just cope with it. You know, there's a box we're full to the bim. And thanks to the ICOT College in number four, Drynan Street, that's the drop off point. And people are dropping a lot of things here in my restaurant as well. But um, And the yeah. Turkish Embassy in Dublin, in fairness to them, are, are doing amazing work in receiving items. And then they mm-hmm. are organising to get it to Dublin Airport. And I think it's Turkish Airlines. They're, they're shipping out plane loads correct. of correct. donations. Yeah, 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 that's correct. The plane loads stuff are going, through, going, going out of the country every day. And also from here, uh, I'd like to thank the Musgrave Group for their generosity. They donate uh, a huge amount of money yesterday and from today they're going to be announced this from their official website. They'll be uh, collecting donations throughout the country, all their branches and super values and centres top to donate to, uh, by Irish Red Cross and then it will go to the families of Turkey and Syria. So once again, uh, from now on if people they want to donate they can donate to Super Valley across, any, the, country, any, uh, across any, the country Yeah, any, and this any money will go value. to Turkey and affected people in Syria so on behalf of both countries both people I just want to thank the Musgrave group for their generosity and for this it means a lot for people that are over there um, also I just want to clarify one thing the reason we had to stop uh, receiving uh, clothes and all that because there is so much aid going all around the world and Istanbul airport is can't cope with these uh, cargoes anymore, and distribution from there on is a problem. So what we have been told, the, the most important thing over there at the moment is, is uh, heavy machinery, generators, and container homes. In the last uh, earthquake, we built a tent, and then flood came in, it washed off everything. There's All the works are gone, nothing. So now they're trying to build a container homes for people. There's like a, you can't, permanent homes until their permanent homes build. So uh, if somebody wants to donate, they can donate through Supervalue and Centros. That would be much more effective way uh, the money will be used. So at the moment, we have so much stuff in here. We need to process and still send them. Uh, but again, once again, I would like to thank for all Irish people for their kindness and generosity. 
and that means a lot for, for, for people affected over there. Okay, listen, and, and just, just to, to you and to all of the Turkish and Syrian community here in Ireland to say our thoughts and prayers are very much with you here in Ireland, but very Thank much you. thinking of your family and friends uh, at home. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us today. I really no, appreciate thanks. it. Once again, thank you, Patricia, for allowing me to use your platform for raising events and you did a fabulous job. And I cannot thank you enough for this. Our uh, pleasure. Thank you so much. God bless. God, you, you look after yourself. God bless too. Uh, that is uh, Evren uh, Ertigrul, who is uh, the owner of Nasta uh, Cafe. You can't help but feel sorry for those that are here in Ireland thinking of their loved ones back home. Thank you to Irene, who was on. Just wanted to say a big shout out and a thank you. We called out a notice the other day. She had lost a house key and it was found. So a big thank you to Pat for finding it and uh, getting in touch and returning it. Glad that we could be of help, Irene. Let's take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance. Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. From next Monday. C103's summer getaway kicks off uh, across the next number of weeks. We will be sending you and a loved one to the sun. We have three amazing holidays to give away. We will give away a holiday each week for the next three weeks. It's kicking off next Monday. There's a holiday to Salou. There's a holiday to Lanzarote and there's a holiday to Mallorca. You need to listen out for the 3103 C103 Sunshine Song of the Day for your chance to win the summer getaway. Tune in to Ken Tobin on Cork's Big Breakfast on Monday morning where he'll have all of the details of Monday's Sunshine Song and then make sure you stay listening to C103 and you could be planning a wonderful holiday in either Salou, Lanzarote or Mallorca and that as I say all kicks off the C103's summer getaway and it is kicking off next Monday. We are already excited about it. There is the most gorgeous photograph that kind of stopped me in my tracks today. It's on the front page of the Irish Independent colour picture and it's also inside in the examiner but it's the one on the front page of the Independent that caught my eye. It is a photograph of a mandarin duck enjoying the mild February weather in the National Botanic Gardens in Dublin yesterday. Now this particular mandarin duck is native to East Asia and it seems mandarins were brought to Ireland from China in the middle of the 18th century. Some of the birds managed to escape or were released from a wild fowl collection during the 1930s. So it's living in the wild but it is the colours, colour on this particular Mandarin duck that is just amazing and it's reflected in the water. It's a photograph taken by a guy called Brian Lawless and he is extremely talented. It's just to have the eye to see that photograph and take the picture at exactly the right time and the right lighting etc. It is truly, truly stunning if you're out buying papers today. I say it's on the front page of the Irish Independent uh, today. 0818103103 Interested in thoughts and comments from parents please on this one because a listener says hi Patricia can anyone please please explain to me what a midterm break in school is actually for my children seem to be at home more often than they're actually in school learning they're off for a week next week Uh, my little fella still needs to be minded 
I wouldn't let him at home on his own all day when I'm working. I have to work, Patricia. Then they're off again in March, off again in April for two weeks. And then they'll finish at the end of May, early June in secondary school until September. The midterm break should be done away with. Would other parents agree? So I did a quick search as to the the school days for 2023 and all primary schools will close next Thursday and Friday. But primary schools can use three discretionary days to extend it to a full week off so that the children would end up today and they would be off all, ne- all next week. Now, they've got those discretionary days, but they can only be used if the days haven't haven't been used, say, for unforeseen school closures. And I don't know about snow days. I know we were told that snow days, when if a school closed because of the snow, they had to pay it back. So I think they're the discretionary days they're talking about there. But anyway, primary schools... Technically, it's only two days, Thursday and Friday of next week, but they have the discretion to close for the, for the full week. Uh, now, for the prime, for the secondary schools, it's different. They are off for the full week. They Monday to Friday of next week. They're all uh, closed. And if a post-primary school needs to make up time like they had an unforeseen closure like bad weather, they can shorten the midterm break as well. But I haven't heard of anybody doing that. And then after the midterm next week, that then heads into Easter will be their next break. Schools break up on the 31st of March for Easter. Of course, they'll have a day off for St. Patrick's Day as well in between. But on the 31st of March, they close and the Easter break, they are off until Monday, the 17th of April. Two full weeks for Easter. See, when I was going to school many moons ago, we broke, we got a half day on Spy Wednesday and then you're the following week. So we had only a week and a half off two and a half days and then the following week but somewhere along the line they extended the Easter break to uh, two weeks and then when they go back next September they're only back in a wet week and there'll be a midterm break in October anyway this particular mum having problems because if, you, if you're a working parent if you stay at home uh, parent it's great you can be at home with your children and many people love the idea of not having to get into the routine of getting up early in the morning and getting the lunches done and having to do all of the homework and there are some parents who can can't wait for the midterm break to happen and to have a bit of a breather. But if you're a working parent and you need your child looked after, it's the nightmare of who's going to look after your child. Is there a cost factor involved in it as well? So I certainly can see it from point, both points of view. So your thoughts welcomed, please, on the midterm break, this particular midterm break. Are you in favour of it or not? Do you think it should be scrapped? They went back to school in January and their next break shouldn't be until Easter. Your thoughts welcomed. 0818103103. I spoke with Bernardo's in the last hour. I thought a powerful interview with Esther Pooh. She is uh, an outreach worker with Bernardo's and just her talking about the families that she is dealing with. Inevitably, you'll get an unkind comment in, which to me, what Esther was talking about was utterly heartbreaking. But somebody says, so these so-called cash starved parents, I assume their children don't uh, don't have their own computers or mobile phones. There's always money for those items, says somebody. And I think that's a little bit unkind because I think the one thing that Esther very much put forward and don't we 
always as parents do that. You'd always put the child first. You have parents who are going without meals, lying to their children, saying, oh, I've already eaten. No, I'm not really hungry or I'm on a diet, so I'm having a much smaller uh, portion. That's not the truth at all, but they don't. They're shielding it from uh, their children. So I think that's a bit unkind to say that parents are deliberately buying their children expensive items. All parents are buying their children expensive items and then they have to do without food uh, because of it. I mean, listening to Esther talking about parents budgeting to within an inch of their life. I mean, she was talking about one family that when they've all of the bills paid, 60 euro left week to week to supply all the food they will need for two adults and two teenage uh, children. That's a hard hard budget to try and uh, live on and someone else said so sad to listen to Esther from Bernardo's talking about the poverty and the struggles of so many families and then you have other families who can spend ridiculous amount of money on their social lives it seems to be so unfair we seem to have such a divided uh, community and then I mentioned and I was warning people to just be careful about what they're viewing on social media particularly because TikTok have come out uh, saying the amount of misinformation that's been spread about refugees and the migrant uh, population and some of these videos are viewed over a million million times and you've just got to be so, so careful about this kind of hate speech and hateful uh, behaviour and and unfortunately all refugees and all migrants have been tired with the one brush in certain sectors of society and that's what we've got to be careful of. Maura says, Patricia, I'm not racist and I, I hope to, and I'm sure you're not Maura, uh, but I uh, and I know, but I know what people will say. I was in Trinity yesterday and two young strapping lads on bikes nearly knocked a young girl and then took off laughing. I spoke to another woman, her son is in college in Cork and can't to go for a short walk not to mention Killarney says Maura now there's no mention in that about migrants and refugees but I'm assuming that the two strapping young lads on the bikes were not Irish kids uh, or were uh, migrants uh, is what Maura was saying all I'll say back to that Maura we have enough strapping young Irish lads on bikes who'll knock girls off bikes and go away laughing I straight away think of remember that scene it happened wasn't it during the pandemic it happened where those young fellas in Dublin were getting off the train and there was a group of young girls trying to get on the train. One of, one of them actually was on uh, a bike. I remember they pushed the, or they tripped the young girl and she fell down beside the side of the tracks. And they were Irish lads. So you'll always get, you know, unruly behaviour by strapping young lads. You know, we can't say that every migrant child or every refugee child is going to be behaving like that. They'll be bad bad parenting will happen everywhere uh, regardless 0818103103 Hi Patricia I'm reading the book Gone to America it's about a family from West Cork along with so many other people from Ireland and Europe who emigrated to America and they worked so hard made good lives for themselves and they sent back their hard earned cash on a very regular basis to assist their families back here in Ireland who had absolutely nothing we are now a very rich country we have plenty but we seem to have changed. We seem to have got very greedy. Shame on us. America made us. We could do with being the very same and helping out uh, refugees and migrant uh, workers. And that's a that's a good point. And remember, there not every single migrant is coming to this country scamming off the system. There are some for sure, and they are the ones that have to be weeded out. I mean, even listening to Denny Collins, who was talking about that poor Ukrainian man 
who died and now was buried all alone. He was saying that the Ukrainians that have arrived to them in Skibbereen, most of them are you know, trying to desperately, if they can, they're, they're looking for work. And we need workers in this country. I mean, that's the reason that we have to bring in migrant uh, workers. We constantly need workers. We have uh, jobs that can't be filled because there are Irish people who either don't want, want to do it or are not available uh, to do it. So we need workers as well. You know, immigration and emigration isn't bad. How was America built? America was built because so many people emigrated to that country. And we as a country, particularly as a country that, you know, is relatively rich. I know, you know, we seem to be a country of two halves when we think about those families that Bernardo's are working with. But overall, we are a country that has money and we need more workers in order to keep that economy going. So we will always need, there will always be a need for people to migrate to this country in order to work. And then when I mentioned about people being just very careful about the misinformation and, you know, I likened it to what happened in the Second World War and what happened with the rise of Hitler and the the rise of of the Nazis. Somebody says, uh, well said, Patricia, for what you said earlier. I read a quote this is to the Second World War. The war wasn't started with bombs and concentration camps. It started with words of hate. And that's exactly how the Second World War uh, started. So please, I'm just saying to people, be kind and just be careful about the information that you are picking up, particularly some of the stuff that is going up on uh, social uh, media. I've watched some of the videos and it sickens me uh, to the pit of my stomach. And there are times where I think, what has this country uh, come to? How can people think that it's okay to say some of the some of the hatred that they spew it just I can't get into their mindset at all I really can't 0818103103 our lines are open The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie Newtown Community Association they're holding a fundraiser tonight it's from half nine in Ned's Bar in Newtown Shandrum and it's in aid of the Tim Joe Foley Rehabilitation Fund. Phelan Drew is in, uh, was due to be in concert in the Glen Theatre in Bantir. Unfortunately, that has had to be postponed due to unforeseen circumstances. But the CBS Secondary School in Mitchellstown, they're presenting a night at the Oscars. It features six pre-recorded films, eight to ten minutes in duration, starring friends and members of the school community. It's followed by a presentation of the Oscars, with results based on judges' opinion and audience vote. Show starts tomorrow night at eight, tickets €25 on sale locally. There is a clothes collection in Gaggin Hall tomorrow between two and half past three. All old are unwanted clothes, shoes, bags, sheets, towels and duvets or covers all accepted. And a coffee morning will go ahead in the Hunter's Rest in Mitchellstown tomorrow morning, half nine to half eleven. All proceeds going to St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is Court Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. And I mentioned the C103 summer giveaway. Uh, three holidays to be given away, kicking off next Monday over the next three weeks. One to Salou, one to Lanzarote, one to Mallorca. And I literally got a text in from somebody saying, Hi, Patricia, we are listening to you here in Lanzarote at the moment. That is Tim and the crew. Enjoy every single 
minute of it uh, to Tim and the crew. And Marion was on to say, Patricia, would you give a mention to Middleton GAA bingo? It's on, as usual, this evening at half past seven. And Marion says, just to let people know, there is also a collection to help the poor people of Turkey. It's taking place at the GAA centre in Middleton at the moment. They're looking for baby supplies, formula bottles and nappies in particular. If anybody would like to donate and help out Middleton GAA at the moment. Thank you for that information, um, Miriam uh, or Marion, should I say. Now, on school closures, when we had the mum who contacted us needs to, to is trying to work out who she's going to get to mind her child next week because there is another midterm and they're off for the full week and she's a working parent and uh, can't leave the child at home uh, on his own. John and Cove says when he was going to school, we took our own unofficial days off. It was known as going on the lag, says uh, John. Holidays were far and few between. Schools ran for the full season, according to John. We went back to school in January after the Christmas break and our next break wasn't until the Easter holidays. Then you, when you went back after the Easter holidays, your next break wasn't until the summer holidays. If you had any kind of bad weather, there was no such thing as schools remaining closed. John says he remembers walking to school in very wet weather. You'd be drowned for the day sitting in wet clothes. Now they seem to close on any kind of bad weather and he said it's very different today says John. Children are dropped off at the school gate. Very few walk where they would have to be out in all kinds of weathers. Uh, Miriam says yes I do agree with that parent who contacted you about the midterm I don't mind the midterm in October yeah because September to Christmas can be a long if they didn't get a break in the middle but before the pandemic we had three days off in February and then after Easter in the first few days of May there was a couple of days off it was like a mini midterm break I feel there should be a straight run until Easter after Christmas maybe just two days off in February but certainly the full week is madness. Adrian said myself and my partner have to work out start of every year who's going to take what what time off when it comes to the midterm breaks. The midterm breaks according to Adrian were extended in 2016. Yeah, I knew they tried to standardise and they did that for parents so that every because at one stage midterms were all at different times and that was causing complications for parents who might have had a boy going to the boys school and a girl going to the girls school and if they're different midterms it was causing problems certainly around child minding so they kind of the Department of Education then issued the directive to keep to standardise the holidays as best they can and schools are abiding uh, by that so Adrian says start of the year himself and his partners to sit down and work out who will cover what midterm break, who will cover Easter holidays, Christmas holidays, uh, etc. It's having a huge impact, though, on our own family holidays. We get 21 days off a year, each from our workplace. So they can be used up just literally with the midterm breaks, Christmas and Easter holidays. So that rules out a family holiday. Schools, I know, says Adrian, are not meant to be babysitting services, but it certainly affects the time the parents can spend together with schools closed so often. And Geraldine said midterm is to give students a break. Students cannot be expected to learn and learn and learn and learn every day. It's a break for them to free their mind and parents and others need to realise that, that it isn't all 
all about the parents. That's from Geraldine. Thank you, Geraldine. To O A to O eight one eight one zero three one zero three. And I had a call in earlier from Derek and Dreamy League, and my apologies, I didn't get to your comment, uh, Derek. And I'm sure there will be a number of people in West Cork who will very much agree with Derek on this. He was watching the late night news last night, and he came across a piece. It was a proposal to bring back and reopen closed railway lines. Now he said before he jumps in and says oh they're going to open up more greenways. He said no. There's talk about opening up railway lines and returning them for rail uh, transport but he said there was not one single mention of the possibility of the railway line opening in West Cork. Derek living in Dreamy League says we so badly need a rail service in West Cork uh, because our road networks are simply crumbling with the amount of roads and traffic uh, traffic and trucks that are on uh, the roads. So we looked up what this was all about and it is he Derek is right it's long abandoned rail lines in the southeast and west of the country but west of the country unfortunately doesn't extend down to West Cork could be brought back in use it's under proposals that are currently before the government it's the All Ireland Strategic Rail Review and it'll recommend reopening a railway line in County Wexford now that particular railway line potentially could link it to Dublin Rosslare and Waterford it's also proposing then on the west of the island reviving the line between Athenry in Galway and linking up with that linking that with Clare Morris in May or the railway line is disbanded and then a link between Letterkenny and Derry is also part of the uh, proposal though for Letterkenny and Derry a new line would have to be built as tracks between the two have been uh, taken up so that's an interesting line in that particular uh, article because if they're saying that and they go with Letterkenny and Derry but that a whole new line would have to be built because that's the problem with parts of West Cork the old railway line is gone but if they're already saying well look we could look at putting down a new line why can't they also come and take a look in West Cork whenever we mention the railway line in West Cork we always get a very positive reaction to it in that people bemoan the fact that the West Cork uh, railway line uh, was ever taken away from that area 0818 103 103 John Paul takes your calls text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie this is the Cork today replay on C103 and Mark Malone our movie reviewer joining us on this Friday afternoon good afternoon Mark hi Patricia and uh, you went along to see Roland Roland Roldal Roldal there's no end it Roldal's Matilda the Music uh, musical and then also the Bank of Dave here is a quick trailer from Matilda this school is full of rebels What is your name? Matilda. Matilda Wormwood.
Matilda Wormwood. Criminals like you need a real lesson. See if that child is still alive. Now, and as I mentioned earlier, when I was chatting to you on the breakfast show, I went to see Matilda the Musical in the West End. Mm-hmm. This is a movie based on the actual. Yes, it's a, it, yeah. yes. Tim mentioned did uh, the songs, yeah, and it's yeah. the same songs that you would have seen uh, yeah. at the musical. And the songs ask, are fantastic. Yeah, I meant to ask you actually because we've spoken about going to musicals before because you and I rented them, and yeah. uh, you normally listen to the soundtrack first. I was wondering, yeah. did you do that that time? Yeah, I, I, I you know, I didn't. Uh. I actually bought the soundtrack when I was there because mm. it was a, a friend of mine over in England got got because I wanted to go see Wicked, and she said, "You've seen that too many times. <laughs> I'm going to surprise you." So it was only when I turned up on the day I discovered I was going to uh, Matilda, and then brought the soundtrack. So no, I did. It, it's the first time ever I've gone yeah. to a show that I didn't know the music. I kind of wish I had though, because um, yeah. I found the songs very kind of difficult to warm to. But that's because I think look, they're 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 very clever. Yeah. I mean, Tim Minchin is a very very good lyricist, especially. And um, so I wish I had kind of done that at first. And uh, maybe if I go back and watch it again, because it reminded me of Wallace. Do you know when you're watching Wallace and Gromit, there are loads of j- jokes in the background. This uh, is one of these movies that has loads of stuff happening in the background all the time. Really, really funny, clever kind of things happening. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, you, I've never. I hadn't seen the the show, even though I wanted desperately to see it. The character of Agatha Thrunchbow, when you went to see it uh, in the West End, did you know anything about the casting? No. It was a man. Oh, it was a man. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a bit like pantomime. Yeah. Um, traditionally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So uh, traditionally, it's always been a man yeah. who, who plays the part of Agatha Trunchbull. Um, but and what had basically happened, not in the film, the, the original film, I think, was the Danny DeVito brilliantly directed film um, with Mara Wilson, and um, I think it was Pam Ferris who played. Uh, the character in that, so it was a that woman wasn't, in the film. Uh, that wasn't a musical, though. Uh, that wasn't a musical, no. Novel, but it was beautifully directed by yeah. Daniel DeVito, who is um, is a brilliant director. And uh, here, um, they decided that initially they were going to have a man play the character. Yeah. And in fact, it was Ray Fiennes, and Ray Fiennes was 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 adamant that he was he was playing the car- character of Agatha. He was going to do it. But then at the last minute, pulled out. And I was trying to figure out why, and I couldn't find out why. And I'm wondering, is it because he thought that a man playing this character on film uh, might not go down particularly well? And especially as he had to put on a suit to make him larger because the character of Agatha is, is so big, yeah. you know what I mean, and aggressive. And in fact, um, in the end, Emma Thompson did receive some criticism, uh, which I think is unfounded uh, for that. Uh, she is absolutely terrific in the film. So the story is of uh, little Matilda. She's in, in a kind of a household where her mother and father are just a complete disaster. And she's super intelligent. But uh, along comes social services and goes, she should be in school. So they decide, the, the father, by the way, there's this running joke, I don't know if it was in the show or not, where the father wanted a boy and he keeps calling her little boy. Yeah. And she's going, oh my God. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, really, that's, really that's in the show as well, yeah. Uh, so they decided to... Uh, Centre to Crunchham Hall, which is run by the um, awful Miss Trunchbull, who decides that she, well, she hates kids, first of all, and uh, she runs her school uh, like it's uh, some kind of army barracks. And uh, so the film is basically about bullying and the bullying of kids. And it's rolled out, so therefore, you know it's going to be dark and you know it's, it's, it's not going to be an easy watch for a lot of the time. For me, it wasn't. I found it very, very difficult because there was so much bullying and because there was so much kind of t- tension going on. I wish they'd kind of lightened it uh, ever so slightly. But um, for all of that, I think the songs were enjoyable. I just think that some of the songs um, 
I think uh, lyrically wise, I thought they were very clever, but if a little bit too clever, I think at times because I found it very difficult to to hear what they're saying. Um, but some of the songs are very, very good indeed, brilliantly staged. These kids are extraordinary. I mean, I was just thinking about uh, whoever the choreographer was. I mean, I wondered these, were, were a lot of these kids already in the show in 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 London could have been, because yeah, could they have were been. Like, some of the dance sequences are very, very complicated, and they are absolutely brilliant. They really are, and I was I was amazed at just how good good uh, they are. The little girl, Alicia Weir here, who plays Matilda, is from Dublin. And in fact, her, her English accent was so good that uh, Emma Thompson didn't realise until they finished filming. That she was Irish. When she resorted to her Dublin accent, you were like, oh my yeah. God, she, you're, you're Irish. You've got, yeah. Uh, so look, all in all, I think uh, there's a lot of songs here. A lot of it is terrific. Um, um, but a lot of it, I found it quite difficult to, to watch. I just wish they had lightened it ever so slightly. It's a PG rating, I think. But uh, And I think maybe some of what, like there's a scene there near the end where you might have heard in the trailer there where Emma Thompson says see if that girl is okay yeah the scene was in the first film as well where she catches a girl with pigtails and swings her around yeah throws her two or three hundred feet in the air she 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 falls behind uh, a wall and, you, and my first thought was <gasps> that was a bit much but the payoff is very good because the little girl sticks her head over the wall and goes I'm fine um, you know and that was funny thankfully but uh, I did find that uh, it was a little bit too dark uh, for me at uh, times but um, everybody's great uh, Emma Thompson boy sh- can she sing as well as do everything else I mean is there anything that this woman can do I didn't realise that she could sing oh goodness me uh, there's a, there's one scene where she's on top of a kind of a stanchion which is very very high in the air and uh, she just sings this song and th- at the end there's a high note and she reaches that high note. I believe she sang it live as well, uh, which is extraordinary. Um, yeah, I was very impressed by the look of the film. I think it's brilliantly um, uh, directed. When I went to look for it, I heard that it was on Netflix. Now, I should point out, it's not on Netflix in Ireland and in Britain, they, I presume because of rights issues. Mm. It will be in the summer. It's available all over the world on Netflix. Uh, but I was kind of delighted with that because I was able to see it in the cinema. And in the cinema, just the, the noise and the sound and the music, I thought, uh, was was absolutely terrific. So I had problems with some of it, but in the main, I'd certainly recommend it. Okay. Uh, Matilda, the musical, mark it out of 10. I'll give it seven. Seven out of uh, 10. Now, the Bank of Dave. This is a, this is a true story, isn't it? Or it's based on a loosely based? At the start of the film, uh, it comes it's, it comes up and says this is based on a truish story. Truish. Okay. A truish story okay. of David Fishwick. But then at the very end of the film, you see actual pictures of Dave. So, so you know, the um, so the story is there, all right, but uh, there's a lot of poetic license here, as there is in an awful lot of these films. And it's another one of these quirky British films, which seem we seem to get one every six months. And, you know, Eddie the Eagle, Phantom of the Opera, you know, Fisherman's Friends. It's one of those type of movies. And I've noticed... And they do them quite well. They do them very, very well. Yeah. But the one thing I've noticed about them, all right, is that, uh, you know, the good good and bad, you know, there's a, there's a dividing line there. You know, working class people are good. You know, people in the establishment are, are bad. Not, yeah. And that's one of the They're things mean. that every single one of these films have the exact same, yeah. you know, um, kind of uh, idea. And the, the, the thing is that, of course, the bad guys, the establishment are always kind of almost caricature kind of bad guys. And they do tend to kind of rather, you know, over kind of um, exaggerate, you know, just how bad these people are. But they do that uh, for the film. Uh, this is the based on a true life story of David Fishwick. Now, he is a wor- he was a working class man in, in Burnley. Uh, he made a lot of money selling, um, I think it was vans. And he wanted to help the community. And he wanted to set up his own bank. But he was told, look, nobody has you know, set up a bank in Britain in 100 years. And there's no way that the, you know, the powers that be are going 
going to allow a working class man like you to uh, to set up a bank. And he wants to set up a bank for the working class people, obviously, is it? Exactly. What yeah. he wants to do is he wants to give them loans and they can pay back whenever they like and well, whenever they can. So, yeah. So, I mean... Go on, Dave. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know his, his politics are in, the, you know, are in the right place here. And the film is basically about him teaming up with uh, a, a young um, solicitor here played by Joel Fry, who's probably best known for the television series Plebs, uh, who's very, very good in this, as is uh, Rory Kinnear as well. And basically, they're fighting against the prejudice of kind of the upper classes. And this time, it's kind of London's elite fa- financial institutions who don't like the idea of these working class, uh, you know, men and boys and girls from Burley telling us what to do. And uh, so it's about that battle to try and become recognised and uh, to set up this bank. And it's very, very well done. If anything, it's really simplistic. And that's the thing. I mean, a lot of these films, I say, are, you know, it's very simple. Bad guys, um, uh, good guys against bad guys, working class against, you know, the opposite. And um, and that's certainly the case here. I think if, if the writing was a little bit more complicated, it was almost like, you know, you open the write on handbook and you copy and paste all, you know, the words. Mm. And that's what it was like. There's a, there's a lot of exposition with people kind of explaining the plot as they're kind of walking along with you. Because but I spotted that uh, Hugh Bonnerville, um, and I love him from Downton Abbey. Uh, yeah, he was and, in it. And, and he plays one of the bankers in this, and he yeah. plays the bad guy, and uh, does a does a does a banking sneer very well. <laughs> and uh, he's he's very good in it. He's got that gorgeous vo- a posh accent as well. Yeah, ex- he does yeah. exactly. Yeah. And um, look, it's it's one of those quirky, you know, it's it's sweet uh, films that. Um, you know, the, the Brits do very, very well and uh, I'd s- certainly recommend it. And where is that available? That is on Netflix. That's on Netflix. Yeah. OK, it's The Bank of Dave. Mark it out of 10? I'll give it 8. 8 out of 10. OK, listen, have a lovely uh, weekend Me and uh, we'll chat you next Friday. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. I was talking about midterm breaks and midterm break is on next week. A listener says midterm break next week. Bring it on. I get to spend time with my children and not have to get up so early in the morning. I've used annual leave from my job in order to be with my children next week. The best and the bonus part is I get to spend quality time with my children. Thank you for that. That's where we wrap it up for today and for this week. Once again, congratulations to all of our winners. We'll be heading off to see Rod Stewart live at the Marquee. And next Monday, we start the winning all over again by kicking off the C103's summer getaway. Uh, This time next week, we'll be very close to giving away our first holiday either to Salou, to Lanzarote or Mallorca. You're listening out for the C103 Sunshine Song of the Day and Ken Tobin on The Breakfast Show on Monday morning would have all of the information so make sure you're tuned in to Ken so you can find out how you can qualify and hopefully win one of these fantastic holidays the C103's summer getaway starting next Monday only on C103 my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing uh, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will talk to you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock and to then enjoy the rest of your Friday and have a lovely weekend I'm Patricia Messenger Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.